fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try We are thrilled to welcome on now for the third time the new Chief Operating Officer of the brand new Fade the Noise Fantasy Network. You can find them at FTN Network, Mr. Elliot Christ. Thanks so much for coming back on. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well, man. I really appreciate you having me. The last couple times were fun, so glad we're getting to do the trifecta. Absolutely. There's a reason we keep bringing you back. It's always absolutely fire just chatting with you. Always great content. And we're thrilled to dive into this one. I think this was going to be a really fun show. Uh, it's one of my favorite tools on FTN, the player prop shop. We're going to use that to kind of look at some of the best lines based on my fantasy projections. It's, it's a great tool. We'll dig into like how it works and all that in a little bit. Um, we'll also look at some of Elliot's favorite predictions and, and prop bets for the 2020 season and including a couple Hail Marys for MVP and awards just because, you know, the last couple of years we've seen Lamar Jackson and Mahomes take home these, these awards. There could be another crazy long shot. So we'll get into all that. But as we always do with all the Wolves, I love to dig in, pick their brain a little bit to give you guys kind of the inside of what some of these great minds are thinking. And I always just love to start What's kind of been your path, Elliot, into this industry and some advice you might have for anyone else trying to break into the space? Yeah, I mean, my path is probably not um, one that has been replicated that many times. And that, that sounds cocky, but it's not really what I mean for it to be. It's, I guess it's untraditional, right? So yeah. um, I got started with PFF doing basic charting stuff. I was always playing DFS, but wasn't really writing content for it. Uh, create a social media off off of that and just started posting plays in general. They started going well, started building a following. Did a lot of stuff for what is now the Draft Network to, to get going four for four, power hour, really interacted with people, became one of the, I tried to do a bunch of different unique things from the Draft Daily Pod to how I was uh, creating DFS content to obviously going over to TQE, becoming the chief product officer over there and creating tools that didn't exist and tried to help people find information that normally took them an hour in like a minute. Mm -hmm. So, but my whole path has been about trying to create a unique experience for a consumer or a customer, you know, whether it's saving them time, whether it's giving them information they couldn't find anywhere else, or whether it's presenting content to them in a unique format. I really think the whole goal of trying to break into this industry is showing some sort of uniqueness, showing some sort of originality, because a lot of people try to replicate what's already been done, but someone's already done that, right? So it's, it's hard to kind of really shoot up. So I think being unique is the best piece of advice I can give, that along with hard work. And, you know, a lot of people want to just create content. It is tough to just create content and kind of, sh you're, you're going to not make a lot of money for, for quite a while. If, if you can find other skill sets, you know, uh, I know Hayden posted about this at Roto World that he, he really believes that it's on the data side absolutely agree it could be on the customer service side it could be on the tech side it could be on the project management side but if you can add multiple skill sets to a company i think you become much more valuable than just the guy that's creating articles absolutely i think all that advice is, is stuff we've heard a lot of wolves say is such a congested you know competitive area you got to be diverse you have to be able to 
bring different skill sets to the table, present it in different ways they've never seen. And I really think what, you know, you guys at FTN have figured out ways, especially in the betting space to, to do so. It's been fantastic to see all these various tools you guys are developing. Um, what about in terms of your process? I know you, you highlight, you kind of focus more on, you know, DFS stuff. Do you have any type of particular process, whether entering a season or entering a week that you kind of follow, uh, each and every time? Yeah. I mean, I know people, a lot of people say ADP is, is overvalued, but I think understanding trends and where guys are going and trying to be ahead of the curve is incredibly important, right? Like a guy that you love. I think one of the biggest things that people struggle with is, Oh, I love this guy as in the 12th round. And then everyone on Twitter, this is the biggest thing in the industry. Oh, someone loves him in the 12th round. So then the next person loves him in the 11th and then he loves him in the 10th. And then somehow Daryl Henderson ends up in the fourth round. Right. Mm-hmm. And now you've, you've, you're only drafting someone at their ceiling. If you draft someone to be their best, you are now really struggling with the range of outcomes <laughs> because you're, you've, you've, you've narrowed it down so much that more likely or not, you're going to fail. So you're trying to get guys um, at a certain level of value. I mean, players are really stocks, right? So uh, trying to identify what that value is and what that price tag is, and then learning that just because you really like the player, once his price goes up, it's okay to, to pass. Um, I think Absolutely. that's a, And on a weekly basis, I would say one of the biggest things that people struggle with is an honest assessment of their team. Everyone that plays fantasy football needs to insist that their team is the best. However, there are 12 teams in the league and not all 12 of you can be correct. Understanding if you're a favorite or underdog and starting to take a bit of a DFS approach to lineup construction and saying, okay, you know, this guy's team is legit better than mine. I might stack up a lower receiver with my quarterback to try to, you know, correlate some success. I might play a more highly volatile guy than, than the safer floor guy. You know, just because a guy has a 12 projection compared to another 10, doesn't mean that the 12 is always better, uh, a better play. So really trying to understand your teams, take a bit of a DFS approach and uh, understanding value, I think are three of the biggest things that can really help in season long in best ball leagues. Fantastic advice for any season, any type of player. Absolutely. But this year is going to certainly be different than any other year. So one question I've kind of added to the script for all the wolves that I've been talking to lately is related to COVID-19. And, and that doesn't mean like, oh, do you think a season's going to happen or not? Because let's just take the positive approach, not the doomsday. It's canceled. And, you know, we know that's the worst case, but let's assume it is happening. We're going to get 16 games. How, if at all, is that kind of adjusting your rankings, your process at all in, in terms of, you know, rookies, players on new teams? Are you on the train that we should be adjusting for that? Or are you kind of, you know, it, it's all good and just kind of, you know, going ahead as if it wasn't there? I don't know how you can go ahead as if it's not there because yeah. there are there, there's too much information. Um, there's too many new variables this year to try to not to, to adjust them. Now, that doesn't mean you can't over adjust, but players mm-hmm. who are switching teams, you know, Scott Barrett did a piece prior to last year. So I don't have it, including the last year's um, numbers, but we're like 82 percent of receivers in the last four years who changed team dropped in fantasy points per game. Like there's a real thing to talk about chemistry between quarterbacks and receivers and them not being able to have all these offseason camps to really work on timing of routes. I, I don't see how that doesn't impact people. I've heard the rookie thing, like in terms of it's going to take these guys, it's a steep learning curve and it's going to take longer for them to, to get going. I think that makes a lot of sense at receiver. At running back, 
I think running back is probably the most plug and play position, right? It's kind of like I'm reading my blocks and I'm trying to get the yards. I understand you have to learn playbooks and protections, but, you know, I think a guy like Jonathan Taylor is still going to get the same amount of work he would have gotten um, either way. Maybe it takes an extra week or two, but I'm not going to like over adjust to that. The other thing is, you know, young legs tend to be fresher legs, tend to be guys who get in shape quicker, right? So that, that can be an advantage to some younger players as opposed, as opposed to older players. But I really think uh, a, a really big one is um, that, that doesn't really get mentioned is offensive line continuity. It, like mm-hmm. where, where how many games are they playing together? We've seen this really matter. So like you look at a team like the Jets who had the worst yards before contact in the NFL last year. They went out, they tried to improve the offensive line. They signed Fant, they, they drafted Becton, they got uh, McGovern at center, and they added Van Rowan at guard. Uh, Brian Winters may or may not start this year. There's a potential, there's at least four, potentially five new starters on their offensive line that have never played a snap together. Um, <laughs> I understand they may have improved talent-wise, but it's it's going to take a while for them to to get better in that area. So I would look for quarterbacks and teams to have early advantages whose offensive lines have really played together. I think that's a huge point that's that's getting overlooked is everyone is talking about the continuity of skill talent. That's kind of what we all focus on here as fantasy, as we know the rapports and quarterbacks, receivers, all that stuff. But the line point is, is enormous. I mean, I'm a former lineman, so I totally understand being next to a guy, knowing how you chip off the shoulder and get up. It just like, getting each other's playing styles down is so crucial. So I think that's something, and, and, you know, pro football focus does a great job. They just released their, their line rankings recently, and they talk about which ones are bringing in new starters versus not. So if you have not been paying attention to that, make sure you start reading up on offensive lines because that is getting severely overlooked. I, I totally agree. In terms of like a fantasy formula for success, I got a few more here before we dive into the player props. If you were going to boil it down, whether it's, you know, the individual talent, the team, the coaching scheme, the usage, how would you kind of like formulate it or like what factors would you really make sure you're weighing heavier than others? I mean, every one of them that you just said makes a lot of sense. Usage and opportunity um, and time spent on the field, like Snapshare, those are the biggest ones for me. Yeah. The easiest (laughs) – Sometimes we overcomplicate fantasy football, right? You can't score points unless you're on the field. You can't score points unless you get the ball. So that's what you really want. At the quarterback position, it's it's incredibly simple for me. Do you run? Because if you don't run, I don't really have interest in you. Like, even if you look at a guy like Gardner Minshew, who's like QB 26 on the board right now, he was top six in rush attempts last year. They scramble a lot. They're going to be in a lot of bad situations. Their defense is, is going to be ranked bottom three in the league this year. He's going to add 20 to 30 yards on the ground a game. That's that's three points. That's that's equivalent to 75 passing yards, or uh, you know, it's three fourths of a passing touchdown. Like, you just get such a high floor, and Tom Brady's never going to get that. We just saw Lamar Jackson break fantasy football. So, your your rushing upside on a weekly basis and volume is is huge for me because you get a rushing touchdown and a and 40 yards rushing and a, a passing quarterback just he can't catch you. It's just not in his. It's he's got to throw four touchdowns and 300 plus yards. Uh, from a running back position, it's really snaps and weighted opportunity. We talk about touches so much. It's just that, you know, a, a target is worth so much more than a carry. So guys who are heavily used, utilized in the passing game have, just have so much of a higher floor and ceiling. We look at Derrick Henry last year, and while he obviously crushed at the end of the year, he was getting 15, 18 carries a game, one to two targets, and busting on a very, you know, 
common basis. Uh, like, I think I think you have to work that pass game upside. Like, I think Henry's drafted at a ceiling right now. Um, on the the wide receiver position, I really do believe that talent dictates usage. You know, we we talk so much about this coach's wide receiver one does this. Well, it turns out Sean Payton's wide receiver one is Michael Thomas. There was no wide wide receiver two. If Sean Payton goes and coaches another team, it probably impacts that, right? Well, there's definitely examples where like OJ Howard is misusing a Bruce Arian system where they keep the tight end in line a lot. But just because Gronk and Aaron Hernandez were great in New England doesn't mean that Austin Safirian Jenkins is now a top eight tight end in football, right? right. So there's there's definitely I, I use the coaching stuff more for context, but at the end of the day, I'm really just trying to chase volume because the more volume you get or the more path there is to volume, then the more likely you are to succeed. Absolutely. Uh, and that's that's kind of the common denominator we're hearing a lot from all the Wolves is what is that path to usage? And usage is, at the end of the day, has to be the number one thing you are valuing. I love all those different stats you just tossed out. I know Barrett did a recent series. I mean, he does it every year over at PFF, but the metrics that matters, I don't know if he's going to bring that to fantasy points with him, but a lot of those stats you just cited, the Konami code for quarterbacks, the the, the bell cow reports for uh for, for uh, the running back position, three times as much value to a target as there is a carry, which is just crazy, but it actually ends up the math t- turns out that way, which is just insane. Uh, so all, all important, great stuff to highlight there. Now moving into kind of FTM and, and then going into the player props. I, again, I love the prop shop. That's what we're going to be previewing. But you guys have so many interesting, really cool tools, both for betting and also fantasy. I, I think I texted you the day we kind of set this up and you showed me some of them. I was just was like a kid in a candy shop playing around all day. You just get lost on the site for 12 hours and not even realize it. What are some of the, like, the different tools, whether they're from FTN or other tools in the industry too, that you you like it and really make part of your preparation process yeah i mean first thank you very much yeah we're really excited about the ftm prop shop which is basically google search technology for betting it doesn't uh yeah. currently exist anywhere else and you could just type in you know dak prescott and it'll let you know all the different dak prescott bets you can make and mm-hmm. uh, right now we have it for 13 different sports we're going to add mma pga and nascar in the near future so we'll be up to 16 and um starting late next week we'll have all the daily information too so if you want to know you know, what's LeBron's, all of LeBron's props on a daily basis. You can search them and know where the best lines are. So the parlay calculator is another fun one. Um, I really like the splits tool that we, we brought out this year where you can take players on and off the field. You can, you know, basically add any situation and understand how they perform. So we can see Deshaun Watson's, you know, passing attempts in games uh, where the over is 47 or higher, you know, and, and does that matter? And how does Will Fuller do when DeAndre Hopkins is off the field? We have a couple, we have a bunch of new tools coming out too. By the time the NFL season starts, there'll probably be about 20 to 25 new tools on the website. Uh, just today, we're launching NBA and MLB lineups pages that are completely free with you know, all the information you need to know, including live stats that feed into them. Just launched our NBA advanced DVP. That's a different conversation. But just in terms of like, I, I think what we've got going on the site is is awesome. And, and one unique thing that we've put out there this year that I think is is really, really important when trying to figure out uh, both season long, but more on a weekly basis is our pace tool where you can now get pace stats from, you know, how often is a team throwing inside the five yard line to how many plays per snap are they running? Um, A bunch of information that has been 
talked about a lot on Twitter, but not necessarily easily available to find is, is now all in one space. And like you look at the Cardinals this year and Kyler Murray is, is a hot name. And then you realize they only scored uh, 0.19 points per snap last year, which was the lowest. So the touchdown regression to the mean could mean even more for Kyle Murray. I, Mar, uh, Kyle Murray. <laughs> Kyle Murray. Yeah. But uh, Kyler Murray. We have a Kyle Murray on staff, and I talk to him every day. So I mess up his name on a daily basis. My bad <laughs> on that one. But, um, uh, you know, it's obviously going to help with DeAndre Hopkins and the fact that they right. should throw the ball more than three yards down the field as well. But it's just in terms of that the team is due for a lot of touchdown regression. And that could mean big things for Kyle, Kyler, and it could mean huge things for Kenyon Drake as well. Absolutely. All, all those tools, extremely useful. I love, I love all that Cardinal stuff too. I'm all about the positive TD regression coming there in Arizona and Kyler blown up. That's the guy that everyone keeps. It's easy to be on him and, and it, it makes sense why everybody's all on him. I'm stoked for that team. Make sure you guys listening, check out ftnfantasy.com to visit that site. Just play around with the tools. Again, like I said, I, I had a ton on my to-do list one day. I, I went to the site and then checked it was like four hours later <laughs> i had to, it was just such, such a blast just being on the site. it's like fun to be on there so I, I really love what you guys are building there and now before we move into the props is there any other analysts that you just really want to shout out as whether they're big names whether they're up and comers that you just kind of consider some wolves that are definite game changers our listeners should be uh, making sure they follow that's a great question. I mean, there's there's a few there's a few guys at FTN, right? I have to give a couple of my guys a shout out. Of course, Javi Prezello. I if you do not follow him, you want to follow him. This man just basically wins ten thousand dollars a day in DFS, regardless of what sport it is. It's pretty absurd. Uh, Derek Brown is a guy that's an absolute grinder who's constantly putting out great information. Uh, Mark Wemkin is a guy who I worked with over at TQE who who's really sharp and puts out some great information. Um, I mean, honestly, there's, there's so many talented people in this industry. Uh, Ray Garvin is a guy whose energy is just, you want to be entertained by listening to football, listen to Ray Garvin yeah. for a few minutes. Um, and those are, those are the kind of first couple of people that come to mind, but there's, there's so many talented people in this industry. Uh, Noah Rudell is the last one I want to give a shout out to. Uh, Noah is on our betting staff is one of the sharpest betters, you know, I've ever seen. He started 20, 20 and three this year betting MLB. Um, follow Noah Riddell on Twitter. He he is a superstar in this industry. Awesome, and I, I'm writing them all down right now. Make sure again the show notes later uh, once we publish this episode. You can always visit it at ffbdpod.com. We'll make sure to link some of those guys' names. I'll, I'll make sure to get all the handles from you so that way anybody listening, I, I'm pretty sure I'm following a few at least. You know three or four of those guys, but I want to make sure I get them all. Uh, so listeners, if you want to make sure you get the right people there, um, check out the show notes and make sure you get those down. So now we're going to move into the feature part of the segment, the 2020 player prop bets. Uh, and that's the tool I've definitely had the most fun with so far. And just to kind of preview it. Um, and, and I, I just love player props in general. I feel like that has some of the highest correlation to all the fantasy research all of us are doing in the preseason. Yeah. If you're good at spreads and whatnot, that's awesome. But to me, you know, the weekly player props and also the, the season long ones are the ones I tend to lean to as a, more of a fantasy minded guy, even if you're not much of a better, um, you know, th- those are the ones that I feel like you can actually have some real correlation to all the research you've been putting in. Um, and, and the way this site works, it's just unbelievable. I don't, you could probably preview it better than I can, Elliot, but man, I've been having a blast with seeing how all the different lines work. You want to just give a quick preview of what the prop shop is? 
Yeah, you can go to ftnbets.com uh, backslash uh, prop-shop, and it's 100% free. It'll always be 100% free. So you can type in a name like DJ Moore is a great example, and you can see all the bets you can have on DJ Moore, and you can see where the values really lie. So, for example, on DraftKings, his over-under is 1,050 yards. On Fox Bet, his over-under is – uh, 1,250 yards. That's a 200-yard middle right yeah. there that you, you could basically get 20 to 1 odds that he finishes there. Um, on top of that, I can see that on FanDuel, he's plus 6,500 to lead the league in receiving yards compared to on uh, Sugar, Sugar House, he's 28 to 1. I mean, it's just you can really understand where the right place to get these lines are, uh, but also what people's values are. What, one really interesting one to me is DK Metcalf is a guy that's going in the fourth round consistently in drafts, and his over-under is uh, 850 yards. Mm-hmm. So obviously he's got the touchdown upside, but you, you just look at some of these numbers and you realize where there can be some real values or where guys might be getting drafted closer to their ceilings than their floors. Exactly. I, you stole two of my favorite prop bets I have uh, on the sheet here. I absolutely love both those ones. We might revisit them quickly, but yeah, that's the, that's the key with this tool is you're finding the, the best line because a lot of times you'll see similar lines or the exact same, but there are always certain ones at, for example. And, and the way we're going to go through here is we'll start by position by position. We'll start with quarterbacks and give, you know, two, three names. If there's anyone, you know, that you you've placed some great prop bets Feel free to shout them out um, as we go. The first one I want to shout out for an overall quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater. Um, just because, you know, in my, I look at my rankings, I'm plus, you know, 12, 14 or so. It's compared to the ECR. I think he's going to explode in Joe Brady's offense uh, with all the weapons around him. And I know the continuity thing could be an issue in a new scheme, but he also played with the Saints uh, where Joe Brady was like tasked to, to get him up to speed. My listeners have heard this whole spiel why I love Bridgewater. So let's say, you know, I'm high on him. I go to the prop shop. I type it in. I see that he's only projected for 3,500 yards on most sites and then even lower on Fox bet 3,350 and a half yards on Fox bet. So now I've found the best bet, which I was going to smash any of them, but definitely smashing the over on 3,350 yards there uh, along with the 18 and a half TDs. I think he's definitely going to hit, you know, if not 4k right under 4k and 25, 30 TDs. I think this offense is going to be humming along and they're going to be in so many shootout scenarios that he's going to have to be hucking the ball time and time again. They got rid of Kyle Allen, not that he was really a threat anyways, but I don't see anyone that's going to take the job. I just, that to me is the complete smash quarterback bet. I love the Teddy Bridgewater one. Do you have any QBs that you wanted to highlight as either overs or unders? Yeah. I mean, first off, Give me all the Teddy Bridgewater overs. I mean, all your points, I'm not going to echo them, but 18 and a half touchdowns, you just need to not – if you just live, like you're going to (laughs) throw 18 and a half touchdowns, especially how bad their defense is. And, yes, he's not a – he's playing with new receivers, but I think one thing about Teddy is he's not necessarily a downfield guy. And the Panthers arguably have the best uh, core of guys – in terms of run after the catch, right? DJ Moore's incredible. Exactly. Christian McCaffrey's incredible. Curtis Samuel's incredible at it. Um, 3,350 3, yards on Fox bet. I mean, that's 200 yards. If he averages 200 yards a game and 1.2 touchdowns, you're on your over. Like, it's, yeah. it's, he could miss games and, and clear this. Uh, but a couple other quarterbacks that I thought were too low was, you know, I mentioned the Jets earlier. I think their defense is very overrated. You look at a team that gave, uh, they gave up 30.8 points per game. 
to top 20 offenses. And they just lost Jamal Adams. They Their corners are not good, and they, they were bottom eight and adjusted sack rate, and they added no edge rushers. They're going to be down in a lot of games this year, and I think they're going to have to chuck, and that's going to lead to, to, to Sam Darnold going, I think, pretty easily over 3,600 yards. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Another, another one I love, too. I mean, that makes perfect sense, the game script there, 3,600 yards. I, I think he can smash. I also see Dak Prescott, 4,275 and a half and 27 and a half TDs. He smashed those last years, and now you add CeeDee Lamb, you add one of the pass-happiest head coaches and, and Mike McCarthy. Not only that, but you retain Kellen Moore, who he's, it was his quarterback's coach, then moved to OC last year. And obviously, even in year one, I mean, they led the league in total yardage in Kellen Moore's first year playing calls. And now he's going to lose almost 700 yards from what he did last year, and he's going to lose some touchdowns. I mean, I, I think he's a candidate to hit that crazy 5K mark. So 4,275 to me is just a complete joke. Uh, I absolutely love that one. Is there any other overs that you wanted to highlight? As well. I think that's that's a really good one. I mentioned Gardner Minshew before. He's at yeah. 30, 3,500 yards right now. That's mm-hmm. too low. Um, Definitely. And we, we talked about the Jaguars having the worst passing, uh, probably the worst defense in the NFL. They're going to be chucking the ball left and right. Uh, him and DJ Shark really stepped up last year. They added LaVisca mm-hmm. Chenault, right? They're gonna, they have more playmakers. They said they're probably going to get Leonard Fournette less involved in the pass game, which is going to help Minshew. And, <laughs> you know, you're just looking at game scripts where he's going to have to chuck left and right. And it's probably going to be in that 250 plus yards a game. And that should make him sail pretty easily over 3,500 yards. The question is, right. Is he going to get benched, but who's he going to get benched for? You know, they're clearly saying Minshew, we're going to see if you're the quarterback of the future. And if not, we're going to be in position to draft one next year. A hundred percent. I just looked up. I, I have all of Jay Gruden, who's the new offensive quarter there. Pretty pass happy guy. Uh, after rookie year Dalton, uh, there was not like a, I mean, 3,669 yards, Dalton, 4,293 yards. Then there was like the Robert Griffin, Cousins, Colt McCoy, those injuries, and that kind of got thrown off. But then 4,166 yards, 4,917 yards for Cousins, and then 4,900 yards again. Now, I'm not saying Minshew's Cousins, but Certainly, this is a, a guy that's crafted some pass-happy offenses that 3,500. I mean, nobody's been under that for, for Jay Gruden other than rookie year Dalton or when everybody's been injured like Alex Smith or when he got fired in 2019 as well. So I think that's a great one. I, and I always Only look at the – Only one quarterback, real quick. Yeah. I just got to throw this up. Only yeah. one quarterback last year that played 16 games through for less than 3,500 yards. So, so Teddy Bridgewater, that's, I mean, that's an incredible stat. So Teddy Bridgewater, Gardner Minshew, as long as you're getting 16 games and I don't see any, like you point out, there's nobody behind either one. So unless they get hurt, I mean, they're, they're absolutely going to be smashing that. I always look at the overs personally. I, I just, I like rooting for lots of stats rather than going under, but I did see rivers is projected for 4,199 and a half on Fox bet and 27 and a half TDs, the same as Dak and Wentz, who I also, I love Wentz's props as well, by the way, with, you know, he had no receivers go over 500 yards last year and still pretty much smashed. And now you add some, some real speed and talent to that offense. So I love the Wentz ones as well, but Rivers, you know, same amount of touchdowns as Dak and, and Wentz. And you look at those, those fantasy quarterback rankings, Rivers doesn't get drafted in most drafts. I think he's like quarterback 15, I mean, 20 or so in mine. I don't see him hitting, especially on such a run-heavy team, uh, you know, with Jonathan Taylor now there as well. 
I think he'll, he'll have a bounce back year in the sense he's more productive for real life purposes behind a better line with some better play action established. But ultimately, statistically, I, I don't see any way he hits over 27 and a half, the same as Dak and Wentz. And 4,200 yards would be a, a long shot in my mind for Rivers, despite how long he had been doing it for. That arm just looked cooked. And I think he's going to be efficient, pop gun, but I don't see him hitting either of those numbers. Did you have any unders you wanted to highlight? Uh, I would definitely take the Phillip Rivers under touchdowns. Mm-hmm. The yards, uh, I could see him getting there, but like we talked about before, the the chemistry of Phillip Rivers, he's, this is a complete new team for him. Yeah. There's, there's definitely going to be some growing pains. Um, to be honest, at this point, I, I've kind of looked more at the overs because I think yeah. there's just passing yard, yardage totals that are too low. I mean, Drew Locke's another guy who comes in at like 3,400 yards. We just <laughs> we talk about adding Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler and – uh, it's just and Melvin Gordon. It's it's just to me, they're not going to be a particularly good team. They're going to have to get in, get out, get into some shootouts. And Drew Locke should go over 3,400 yards again. It's just like these guys are going to start 16 games unless they get injured. 34, I, like 3,400 yards, is just so such a low number. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm right I'm writing that one down as as we're talking. I got to make sure I save that one as well. And I love that stat again. Was it? Anybody who started 16 games through for 3,500 or more yards, is that the one that you said? Yes, and so the one exception is Josh Allen. And Not shocking. <laughs> he, yeah, but, like, he, he's just, you know, he's, he's so inefficient, right? He averaged 193 right. yards per game. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's a no-brainer. And I love uh, Drew Locke. I think it's my quarterback 15 or 16 plus six or seven on the ECR. So I should have searched that one on the prop shop too. Definitely going to be hammering some Drew Locke overs if that's the case at 3,400. I mean, that's a joke. Um, do you have any other quarterbacks you want to shout out? Or are you ready to move to some running backs now? Let's talk running backs. I, I mean, the, the one I got to lead off with and C.D. Carter was on uh, the, the show before this. And he, he pointed this one out was Jonathan Taylor, 700 and a half rushing yards. I mean, the way CD made the argument, it was like he could only see 33% of the carries that they had last year, only needs to average like four and a half yards per carry behind the second-ranked pro football focus line of last year, and he'll still hit that, never mind the fact that he has the ceiling to potentially double that number if he takes over and gets the 60% over Marlon Mack, which I think by mid-year at latest – that's going to happen. As you pointed out earlier, you know, some of these running backs like Clyde Edwards Hilaire involved in a, a more, you know, complex passing game scheme. Maybe he takes a little bit longer transit, although I still love Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but Taylor, just that natural fit. Like you just got to read the blocks and run in the way he's going to be used there. So I love that one. I don't see any way other than again, injury, even if he is a second fiddle, which shouldn't happen. And I don't think will happen if you trade up for the guy in round two, 700 and a half yards to me, a complete joke. Uh, what do you think of that one and, and some other running backs that you have circled? Yeah, that's too low. I mean, yeah. we're, we're talking about a guy from a pure running back perspective is one of the better running back uh, profiles to come into the league, right? It's he's, he's right up there with Nick Chubb in terms of just, he's not necessarily a great pass catcher, but I don't need him to catch any passes to go over 700 rushing yards. Yeah. Um, one that really stood out to me that's way too low is Leonard Fournette, over 850 rushing yards. I mean, mm. you look at a guy that was on the field over 85% of the time last year, and he just basically needs to play 14 or more games, and he's going to get that. He's, yeah. It's his last year. They're not going to re-sign him. They're going to run him into the ground. Chris Thompson and Rykel Armstead are not taking him off the field. They're going to feed him 250-plus times. 
And only two running backs who had over 250 carries last year didn't go over 1,000 yards, nonetheless 850. So <laughs> um, it, his volume is just too great for the number to be that low. Yeah. I think the only thing that stops him from hitting that would have to be injuries, which I guess there's been some foot stuff, ankle stuff in his past, but I'm with you, 850. I mean, that's a pretty But he easy could miss ask. three games and hit that number. I, I think totally. I mean, yeah, exactly, because he has those 200-yard burst games. Like, he could hit a fourth of that in, like, one game almost. <laughs> so I, I, that's absolutely way too low. I think Melvin Gordon as well, to me, is looking pretty low, 775. I, I mean, I know the new team, but, it, like, again, I love the point you brought up. Like, running backs just – and especially in terms of running game usage, it's it's not as hard of a translation. You saw you know, Mark Ingram last year come in and rip it up with the Ravens despite being in a completely different system with the Saints. So I think Melvin Gordon, you look at Pat Shermer, he's consistently fed a bell cow, uh, you know, ranks, I think, ninth in total running back one opportunities. And so far, all the reports out of there from all the beat writers are they, they signed Melvin Gordon to be that bell cow type of guy. I do like Lindsay. I, I think he's a great player, but ultimately Shermer doesn't typically operate in a committee situation unless there was an injury to say a Dalvin cook or AP gets suspended or what have you. His history is pretty littered with a, a complete workhorse. And even when he went to a committee, when Dalvin cook got hurt, Latavius Murray in only 13 games still hit over 775 rush yards while splitting time with Jarek McKinnon. So, I mean, to me, there's so much offense centered around the running back in a Shermer scheme. I don't see any way, again, other than injury, which Melvin Gordon has had a couple dings throughout his career, but even still in 12 games, he hasn't missed that number other than last year when he missed four and then other his rookie year when he just had a complete dud start to his career and was really you know playing third fiddle for a lot of the year as well. So to me, that one's also a no-brainer as well. Any other running backs you like to? Uh, Kenyon Drake over... Uh, 975 yards you look at a guy who came to the Cardinals last year became a clear workhorse uh, especially down the stretch he his eight game pace would have put him at 240 carries and again I mentioned that stat earlier with Leonard Fournette but you look at the Cardinals who I think are going to be a better team this year in the last four games of the year when they or last three games of the year when they started being competitive they were fourth in the NFL in run rate like they want to run the football and they're going to give him the football I actually think him leading the league in rushing at 22 to one is, is a worthwhile take. I think Drake is one of the more talented explosive runners in football and he should clear a thousand yards pretty easily this year. Yeah, no doubt about that. Do you have, I don't know if you have the prop shop on him pulled up, but is there a, a total yardage bet as well? I'll, let me, I have it right here. Kenyon Drake. Um, I want to see what his total yards, which is all. I mean, now that I, I like the rushing one, like you said, a little more than the total yards. I like them both. I'm I'm all aboard the Drake team. I think he he hits 1500 and potentially 10 to 15 touchdowns, maybe even more, uh, given he was on a touchdown per per game pace once he joined there. And that was before they had DeAndre Hopkins. So yeah, I think the the positive game situations, as you're mentioning are going to be huge there. I think he has a huge year. I have him actually as eight overall. The only receiver I would take above him is, is Michael Thomas. I would be, I would still take, you know, Kenyon Drake over Devontae Adams, which I think a lot of people would, would not agree with, but still I, I'm all about Kenyon Drake. So I think that's a, a fantastic one to hammer. Um, the other guy I really like too is Dalvin Cook. I, I mean, this Kubiak zone blocking scheme is absolutely insane for running backs. We've seen, you know, Olandis, his prop is 1050 is the best prop uh, I found on there for rushing yards. I mean, we've seen like Olandis, Gary, Mike Anderson, 
nobody's Ruben drones rush for over a thousand yards, Steve Slayton, like these guys have done nothing. And then you, you take the talents that are equivalent to Dalvin cook, Arian Foster's or, you know, Clinton Portis's Terrell Davis's. I think cook is right up there talent wise. And those guys almost approach two K yards in certain seasons. So to me, obviously the injury concern, I guess that's probably why it's low is the guys missed some time. And every single year, but I just feel like you can't go into a prop uh, thinking, oh, he's going to miss six games or anything like that. I, I don't, if you get 12, you know, 13 games of Dalvin Cook this season, I, I think he could smash that, that over 10, uh, 1,050 yards total, uh, or not total yards, rushing yards. I think he could definitely uh, destroy that one. He's also plus 1,400 as the uh, guy to lead the league in rushing. And if he gets 16 games, I think he's got a really, really good sh- shot at leading the league in rushing as well. So I think Dalvin Cook definitely is someone I'm, I'm tossing into my my bets here. The Madison thing's also kind of a myth. Like, yeah. if you look at the games where Madison really got volume, they were, they were almost always when they were up by 14 or more points. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily know if they're that good this year where they're going to be in that situation, but they want to be, they want to run the ball probably more than any team outside of Baltimore and San Francisco in the league. Like, yeah, that's what they want to do. Exactly. So I'd throw in Tennessee in there too, but like they, they're just going to feed him and that's, that's too low that injuries, injury bugs can always get running backs in terms of the over unders, but if guys stay healthy, man, these numbers are too low. Definitely. What do you think of uh, Aaron? I have only a couple unders listed. So again, I'm like you, I kind of look at the overs personally. It's just more fun to root for it. But if I was going to go any unders, the only guys I'm a little concerned on, one would be David Johnson. He's 11, uh, 1,174 and a half yards from scrimmage in nine and a half TDs. I, I don't see him hitting this. I get there's not a ton of competition there. But, I mean, he looked completely washed last year. I get he had some injuries, but I don't know. Maybe he's just breaking down this day. And I, I, now I'm saying you shouldn't go injuries, and now I'm bringing up injuries. But he just didn't look like the same guy. We, we've been chasing that 2016 David Johnson for quite some time, and it's just not happening. And Bill O'Brien, as much volume as he feeds running backs, maybe I'd look at his rushing totals. He does not pass to running backs at all. And that's you know Duke Johnson's also there too, so – if I'm going to go under, I'm going for that that bet right there, under 1,174 and a half yards from scrimmage. I'm not a David Johnson guy. I know there's a lot of smart guys in the industry who are, but I might just also be a scorned owner who had him in like three out of five leagues last year that just I, I can't go back to him, and, and I want him to go under this because he fucking ruined a couple leagues for me. But still, I, I don't know. I just do not see him hitting that at all. What do you think of either him or any other unders you got? So the thing I think that David Johnson has going for him is the fact that Bill O'Brien was publicly embarrassed when he traded for him. Yeah. And he's going to try to prove that he was right. Now, no matter what he does, he was wrong. But I think he's going to try to prove that he was right. And the volume could absolutely be there for David Johnson where he can be extremely inefficient and find himself getting over that. I do think your your point about his receiving game upside, you also look at mobile quarterbacks, they tend to throw to running backs less as well. But Carlos Hyde has been uh, a dumpster fire his entire career. I apologize, Carlos Hyde or Carlos Hyde family members, if you watch this. But, um, <laughs> They're huge fans he's, of the he's pod. Not, so. <laughs> he's not been very good, and he ran for over 1,000 yards last year. So I think that's the real argument for David Johnson is mm. he absolutely looked washed, but if they if they force-feed that volume to him, he, he could get over there. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Um, if they force-feed him like that, yeah. And I'd rather take other- him in fantasy in the fifth round than put money yeah. on his over or under. 
Yeah, I, I, that one's not nearly the lock of some of these overs. The, again, Jonathan Taylor one to me, my favorite. I also love the Melvin Gordon one. Aaron Jones is the only other one that is a little tricky. Uh, you know, it's on Fox Sports, if you use the prop shop, his line's the highest. So if I was going to go under, you know, it, it's 1,049 and a half right now as his rushing total. He had that beat by 40 last year. That was when A.J. Dillon was not there, who they just took in the second round. That was, you know, when he, Aaron Jones, played 16 games for the first time. And Jamal Williams also missed a healthy chunk of the season. They've talked all offseason about wanting three backs. They, they put the money where the mouth is and drafted that third running back. And when Jamal Williams played, Aaron Jones, I, I think there was, I had the disparity in another pod. It was something where I think he only outtouched him by, you know, two or more, like once in the games that they played together, uh, out snapped him, like the snaps were right around, you know, never more than 60%, typically in the 55 to 45 range. And now you're getting another guy in there. I, I love the talent. I think Aaron Jones is an incredible player. I wish he was more unleashed than he is, but we've seen LaFleur mismanage Derrick Henry. He seemed ready to mismanage Aaron Jones at times last year, leading to some of those inconsistencies. He worries me a little bit. What do you think of Aaron Jones? Yeah, and I would take the under as well. So basically, all your points, when Jamal Williams is healthy, the the weighted opportunity, the snaps, the snap share, everything you're looking for, it's just concerning to, to go there. I, there. There's guys with more value, volume at lower numbers. Right. Um, it's just – it's he's, he's got a lot of regression, right, built into him this year. It's why you see him dropping in fantasy drafts at times. He's definitely going to score less touchdowns, but that's a guy who I would also take the under. Perfect. Um, let's move on to wide receivers. You already highlighted the the one that I like the most, DJ Moore, and I love that most receiving yards prop plus sixty five hundred over on FanDuel. And again, the disparity plus twenty eight hundred versus plus sixty five hundred. Another prime reason why this prop shop tool is insane. Uh, but his receiving line one thousand and fifty yards after he just put up 1,175 with Kyle fucking Allen almost all year, he's about to go backwards with a play caller. Who's going to actually scheme him perfectly. The uses speed and space is the whole philosophy of Joe Brady. I don't see any way how he goes backwards. So uh, give me that all day, 1,050 yards for him. And you, you highlighted DK Metcalf. Another one. I love Eight fifty and a half and a half going in round four of every draft. I mean, that's ridiculous to me. Do you have any other receiver overs or, or props that you really like? Yeah. I mean, to echo your DJ Moore one, I think that might be the worst line I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there are a few guys that are under a thousand yards right now. And I don't quite get why um, Terry McLaren, Calvin Ridley and AJ Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Give me all three over. <laughs> I think all yes. three go over. I think worst case scenario, I hit two out of three. You're gonna see, you're seeing guys that Brown's gonna get his efficiency has to go down. Otherwise, he's Jerry Rice. But assuming <laughs> he's not Jerry Rice, his efficiency has to go down, but his volume should go up. Uh, Calvin Ridley, no Austin Hooper, no Muhammad Sanu. That's that's one of these guys that just continues to creep up. So, and then I think uh, Terry McLaren. Um, he's just. Who is he competing with for targets? He should be seeing 25% of targets on a team that's really struggling. So, uh, and the, the last one is Adam Thielen over 84 and a half catches, I think is, is really valuable as well. It's just Justin Jefferson's on the COVID list, no Stefan Diggs. We saw a year before when he was healthy, had over 100 catches. And this guy should see 30% of the targets this year. It's, that's too low of a number. I think there's tons of great stats about Kubiak uh, using those alpha X wide receiver ones 
to in the average, like 140 something targets uh, when he has that clear defined one. So yes, I think the Thielen one is a joke. That That's a fantastic one. The only other one too, you highlighted the names I love. I see Devontae Parker and a lot of people think it's a fluke. I mean, this guy was the number two wide receiver in fantasy once Fitzmagic took over. Maybe this COVID thing means you get more Fitzmagic games where he just locks on to Parker early on in the season till whenever Tua gets there. It's only six and a half touchdowns that this guy has right now. I mean, Chan Gailey has a long history of peppering his wide receiver ones. There's a year where B. Marsh had 14 TDs and, and Decker had 12. Stevie Johnson was routinely at seven or more. So I, I think he definitely hits at least seven there. And Brandon Cooks at 849 and a half and five and a half TDs. I mean, the wide receiver won probably four. Um, D- Deshaun Watson this year with Hopkins now gone. This guy has been over a thousand in four of the six years where he was not a rookie or hurt. I, I think he smashes that one as well. Um, I know you got to get moving at, you know, in about five minutes. So even though there's a few others I'd love to highlight, do you have any kind of long shot Hail Mary bets that you're tossing out there that could be, you know, just a huge win for our, our owners, whether it's MVP, receiving champ, rushing champ, any bets like that that could just be huge money wins for our owners? So so far I have the Jets at worst record in the NFL at 14 to 1. I have Kenyon Drake. Uh, rushing champ at 22 to one. I have DJ Moore receiving champ at 65 to one. I think Deshaun Watson is a guy that's worth throwing some money on at 25 to one to win MVP. Uh, and this is not a huge one, but a team that I've been on all year that I think uh, is the best team in football is the Baltimore Ravens. And at, they're now seven to one. I got them at eight to one to win the Super Bowl. I think it's good value. A hundred percent. I love all those ones. And I'm going even crazier, you know, with the Lamar and Mahomes being a hundred to one last year, the only one that I saw that could potentially be that the guy we've already talked about, Teddy Bridgewater, if he ends up being that just monster in the Joe Brady offense, I don't know if the Panthers will be good enough to actually earn him an MVP. I like that one. And I also Devonte Adams plus uh, 75 to one seven plus 7,500 to be the offensive player of the year on bet MGM. Uh, those odds were significantly lower elsewhere, but plus 7,500 for a guy that could see 200 targets have a Michael Thomas esque season who just won that award this last year. I think that's another one that I really like. And the, the, the DJ Moore receiving one again, just to highlight plus 6,500 for there. Um, all right. Do you mind if I run you? I know you got to get going at one. I'm going to run you if you are willing. If you got to go, totally get it too. But the, the rapid fire segment, we'll get through as many questions as we can in, in a minute or two. Is that cool with you? All right. Just give me the answers, the name that comes to mind, and we'll see if we can get through them all here. Uh, after McCaffrey, the number two player should be? Barkley. The next Dalvin Cook or round two running back who's top five in 2021 will be? Kenyon Drake. Love it. Uh, what's the next Chris Godwin or a round four to five receiver who kind of explodes into the elite the next season? Terry McLaren. 2020's Mark Andrews or breakout tight end will be? Uh, I don't like any of the late round. <laughs> Mike Gusecki. I'll go with Mike Gusecki. Do you have a most hated NFL player for fantasy specific reasons? Numerous guys who have cost me a lot of money in DFS. <laughs> <laughs> There's tons of them. Uh, if there was going to somehow be another Lamar Jackson or Pat Mahomes, it would be? Kyle Murray. Kyle what Murray. is, yes. Which uh, early rounder is going to bust the hardest? Michael Thomas. Ooh, interesting. Spicy. Who do you think gained the most fantasy value during this offseason? 
That's a really tough question. <laughs> I know I need rapid fires. Uh, <laughs> honestly, it's it might be Kenyon Drake. Just I like t- it. Yeah. No, gut reactions is, is all we're looking for. Do you have anyone in mind for who lost the most value? Aaron Jones. Uh, do you prefer target hogs or workhorse backs? Workhorse backs. After A.J. Brown or even before him, if you wanted, what sophomore wide receiver are you going? After A.J. Brown, uh, Terry McLaren. In the last few years, Alvin Kamara, James Conner, Austin Eckler were all top five running backs that went after round seven. Who do you think could do that this year? I think Tony Pollard could win your league if something happens to Zeke. And do running backs matter? Yes, not as much as some people think, but not they don't cease to exist as other people pretend. <laughs> awesome. And last question here before we let you go. What's your boldest fantasy prediction for 2020? And then just remind our listeners where they can connect and find your work. Absolutely. Uh, you can find my work uh, at FTN Fantasy, FTN Daily, or FTNBets.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Elliot Christ, 1L1T, no H in Christ. Uh, my bold take this year is Michael Thomas will not finish as a top five wide receiver. Man, that was a fantastic interview. We loaded a ton in those last two minutes there, too. I really appreciate you sticking on with me to the end. Elliot, have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. We used to Absolutely. have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. Football right there, folks.